0: This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: Okay, welcome back to the program. Welcome to Hour 2. Elliot's going to stop by here in a couple of moments. Uh, was that Tampa Bay Lightning practice this morning? Uh, and he's just getting to a, a secure location. Whatever that means. So he can talk to us all here. Maple Leafs facing off against the Tampa Bay Lightning. 7.30 Eastern. CBC Sportsnet East Ontario and Pacific. And listen, I feel like we've been talking about this series uh, all season. Like when it became really apparent a few months into the season that this was going to be the first-round matchup. As the Boston Bruins just ran away with the division, ran away and hid, it kind of became obvious that this was going to be the opening round. And you've heard us discuss it plenty of times. You've heard it discussed elsewhere. You've probably had the conversation about it yourself. Um, but all those, you know, all those questions remain, and the questions remain mainly about what happens if the Toronto Maple Leafs don't win. And many people, again, many like the overwhelming majority of people out there, feel that this is a the Maple Leafs' time to win a series, and B, eh, maybe the clock starting to strike midnight on the Tampa Bay Lightning. To which I always remind people, don't be foolish. Don't bet against this team. Having said that, I am one of those dopes that's picked the Maple Leafs in this opening round series. But having said that, Vasilevsky is frightening. Now, I know you're playing the team and you're not playing the player. Get that. But having said that, game six and seven last season, the Toronto Maple Leafs were playing the Tampa Bay Lightning, but really they were playing Andre Vasilevsky. Andre Vasilevsky just decided, uh, yeah, we're going to keep on winning here. Thank you very much. Uh, Rangers and Devils kick it off tonight. This one should be a good one. Uh, I still do think that ultimately the Rangers prevail in this one. When you look at the net-minding matchup, still like the Rangers more so than the New Jersey Devils. And I don't want to say that this is a series where New Jersey just gets in just in order to get a little bit of playing time here. Get a little bit of action. Know what playoffs feel like a little bit. I still think they do have designs to win at least the opening round. But I I look at all the talent and the veterans on this New York Rangers squad and the blue line and how they can bring it physically to a talented, albeit small-ish, New Jersey Devils team. And I still like the Rangers in this one, although it should be a lot of fun getting there. Elliot Friedman, speaking of getting there, uh, we got him now. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Frege. Sorry, sure, Jeff.
2: I was telling my youngster. Uh, so um, uh, first of I didn't all, I didn't know
1: was, uh, hang on. We're going to call you back because you're obviously in a wind tunnel somewhere. So we're going to give you a buzz back and get you. A, uh, for, uh, I like how Elliot started out by uh, with a lie. I had to buy lunch, first of all. <laughs> As we like to say, Elliot has the onion wallet. Every time he opens it, he starts to cry. No? Is that just another bad line on this program here? We'll, uh, we'll try to get Elliot back here on the, uh, on the program. A lot of things to go over with uh, Elliot Friedman. And we'll, we'll get into the Calgary Flames situation. We'll get into the games from last night. Uh, he was at Tampa practice today. So we'll, uh, we'll get into that conversation as well. And uh, we'll get into someone who may be returning to the NHL sooner than later. Fridge, we got you back.
2: Yeah, sorry about that. I ducked into a bit of a corner, so no problem. It be better now. All good, all yeah.
1: good. Uh, before we get to last night, before we preview this evening, <clears throat> wanted to get your thoughts on what we saw yesterday. You know, as we were bidding you good afternoon, uh, you said, "Hold on a second here." Brad Treliving Calgary Flames, having a um, how shall we say conscious <clears throat> uncoupling. Um, nice. Yeah, no, I know you got to throw that one out there. Don Maloney uh, comes in, who looked. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Watching that presser yesterday, um, he kind of seemed. I don't want to say overwhelmed because I don't think he was overwhelmed as much as he was surprised. He seemed to have found himself in that position where he's, you know, uh, uh, taken over hockey operations. And is the interim general manager, and he's talking about you know the exit of a friend and what's next for the Flames, and having a full review of the organization. And I I just got the sense that at that given moment, Don Maloney probably this season never thought that he was going to be in that spot at that time. How did you see Maloney's presser yesterday?
2: Well, first of all, he's going to be 65 in September, and I hope I look as good at 65 as he does. And blonde. Where'd the blonde come from on Maloney? Wow. Well, I don't know about that one. I, I don't know if I want to go too far down the road on that one, but I was, I, I, I was, uh, I was looking at him and saying, geez, like looks he's great. Yeah. He's 11 years older than me. And he looks like I look about 1100 years older than him. So he does, he does look good. Um, look, I, I think, I think that tree living took them by surprise over the last couple of weeks out. I just think this, I think everybody in that organization, the moment Brad tree living punted his extension at the beginning of the year, they, they felt that they knew there was the possibility that this could happen. However, I don't think anyone believed at the end of the day, it was actually going to happen. I think, you know, like I think that, you know, tree living, it was a really hard year in Calgary. Um, Last summer was like, just like, it was like, it was like a ride on a perfect storm. Like it was just Uh a crazy couple of weeks that turned over their franchise. And I think the other thing too, is I think a lot of people in that organization, that's one of the impressions I'm getting today. They really liked working for him. Um, They thought it was like a, like he tried to create a good environment uh, for people who work there. And I think that's something that you probably don't think about a lot, because when we think about managers, we think, okay, does your hockey team win or does your hockey team lose? And that's all we judge you on. But I, mm-hmm. think it was like a, I think it was a good place to work around him. And, you know, so I think people were kind of hoping it would work its way out and they thought it would work its way out. They knew that the organization wanted back. And then, you know, Maloney said he heard last Wednesday that it might not happen. And I just think that everybody kind of there thought – At the end of the day, when you have two people, who, when you have a team that wants a GM back and a GM who generally seemed happy there for a long time, you think it's all going to work out. So Mm -hmm. I think the surprise was honest. I think Maloney, like a lot of other people, thought it was going to work out. And it isn't too often, like Eric Francis wrote about it, like it isn't too often a GM is given a chance to stay with a team and he chooses to walk.
1: And a lot of this was—I I talked to Eric on the show yesterday after you um, uh, after you left, and we talked about you know the—I uh, don't know—is friction too too harsh of a term to use, but for the relationship between the general manager and the head coach. Like we know that Calgary is a challenging place, and there yeah. are very demanding people around, and there are very you know people that are really you know very much stuck in their ways. And I I've heard the same thing about Brad for living, how there are a lot of very loyal people. Uh, around that organization, and he created a very specific environment where people enjoyed working there. Like, they, they really did. And listen, Eric Francis on the program yesterday said, you know, don't be surprised if some people leave your organization now that Brad Trelliving is, is, is gone. That's how loyal they are to him. Um, but how much of this was about the relationship between the general manager and the head coach?
2: I, I think it was a lot. And I want to stress one thing. I don't think it, it, it's about their personal relationship I think it was just about their professional uh working relationship because right. you know the the column I wrote yesterday I had, had some people who said that their personal relationship wasn't bad and I said well that's not what I'm trying to say here I'm talking about their professional working relationship so I just figured that you know I would point that out mm-hmm. but I, I do think that was you know the major factor uh I do um you know like I I think the thing that stood out the most that was interesting yesterday was after tree living resigned or did chose not to take his extension, whichever way you, you want to put it. The quick message was, you know, the coach is going to be back. And, you know, I I think that the thing that stood out yesterday was Don Maloney came out and said, um, no, uh, I'm reviewing everything. Like, it, it, it may still happen and the odds are probably that it happens, but um, at least what he did was he called time out on it. And what I assume that means is that Maloney and and Sutter are going to have a conversation uh, about this and kind of see where everything is. And I, I think Sutter was supposed to meet the media tomorrow. So we'll see where this is all going to go, but I would expect that there's going to be at least a conversation uh, with the two of them. I'm, you know, I heard that the exit meetings there were really blunt. Like some like one player I don't know if I mentioned this to you yesterday, I mentioned it on Calgary Radio. I mean, the days with Pat Steinberg, I mean the just poor together right now, <laughs> Jeff. But you know, one of the players told me that they knew of one meeting that went an hour long. And that's really long for an exit meeting. Like that's that's yeah. not normal. And um, you know, I, I just think that there's like there there were a lot of people who had a lot to say. And so I, I think that, and I believe, I believe Maloney sat in on some of them, so he heard it all too. So, like, I, I still think there are places where this is going to go here, and you know, like I like I wrote yesterday, I, I think not, nobody should be assuming anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Should we? Uh, okay, as as you say that, I'm going to assume something.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: I assume. That Craig Conroy gets this
0: job should I
2: uh, I think he's a favorite uh, I, I think he's got a chance, but I, I think they uh, I think they are going to do a search um, so you know last week on your show, I mentioned that uh, that Maloney and Conroy had been extended, mm-hmm. and I got some pushback on that, but it wasn't like. The pushback I get when I'm really wrong about something like the Elliot, you're a complete bleeping imbecile (laughs) pushback. It was more like the Elliot, you're not completely correct on this one. Well, we know now that Maloney was a yes, and and he has a a position there. I don't think Conroy's extension is done yet. Uh, I believe he's been offered one. I don't think it's done yet. And I think it could have a lot to do with does he become the GM? Um, I think he is an absolute favorite for the job. I think that there are a lot of people in the organization who would like him to get that job. Mm -hmm. Um, I like some of the people who felt very strongly about the way they were treated by tree living. I think would like to see Conroy get it. He's been waiting a long time, but I don't think anything is a slam dunk. Like I think. If yesterday, as the last 24 hours in Calgary have taught us anything, nothing is a slam dunk. I do think they're going to interview other candidates. Uh, I think there's going to be a surge here, uh, and I think that Conroy is uh, a very, very legitimate contender for a lot of reasons. Right. But I would hesitate to say that he's going to get it.
1: Um, and and then the question becomes, what's next for Brad Treliving? And and who knows? Brad Trilliving might just want to take time off and. You know, uh, chill for a year, two years, who knows? Um, But if he is indeed interesting in jumping right back into it, um, Mm -hmm. what do you think's next for Brad Treliving? Like we mentioned on the show yesterday, you and I talked about how, you know, this is someone that can exist in a lot of different environments. He can work for a family-run company. He can also work in a very corporate climate as well. And I know I'm nudging you towards the Pittsburgh Penguins here. But um, what do you think is next for Brad for living?
2: Well, I, maybe he wants to host a national hockey radio show. <laughs> in
1: he could do it. He could do it. It looks better than I do. Anyhow, where's the glasses better?
2: Uh, that's a little bridge, but anyway, uh, you know, I, I think like, I, I just think that we'll see what happens. Out there. I mean, you know what the openings are now. I mean, Pittsburgh is obviously yeah. the one that a lot of people talk about. Um, I think there's obviously a lot of interest in, in that job. Um, you never know what could happen. I mean, we're all still kind of waiting to see what's going to happen in Toronto. Yep. You never know what could happen by an owner who's mad about something that goes on in the playoffs. And, you know, the other thing, too, that one one guy was telling this morning, you never know what happens if your owner looks up and sees, well, like someone new is a free agent, and they say, hmm, that person might interest me. So, uh, I, I think this all. I, I think the landscape is still evolving, um, but uh, you know, I, I think the one thing is, is that I think he needs time to process this sure. a little bit. Like, I, I've had some people who said to me they think they will take, like, he won't start next year. He'll just relax and see what kind of unfolds over the next 12 months or so. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that once it's in your blood, it's hard to let go. But we'll see.
1: Okay, I want to create some space between the conversation about Brad Treliving, the general manager, and this next person's name that I'm going to bring up here. So let me pause for a second so I create some separate. This is essentially a, a creating another creating a, a blank space for a, another thought on 32 thoughts. So here we go. Yeah. Silence. Now, <laughs> Doug Wilson.
2: Yeah. So um, one of the things I've been kind of uh, hearing over the last couple of weeks, and in a lot of ways, it's a it's a really nice story. Um, as as everybody knows, Doug Wilson was the longtime uh, general manager of the vice president or president general manager of the uh, San Jose Sharks, and uh, he uh, he was he stepped down at the end of last year, had his uh, was honored this year in San Jose. Yep. And one of the reasons he stepped down was because he had some health issues. And, you know, Wilson has always been very private about what those were exactly. And, you know, you have to respect that. It's a person's choice Mm -hmm. if they want this kind of health information out there. But I have heard that uh, he's been improving and that he's looking at um, returning to the game in some capacity. And uh, Mm -hmm. I've, I've also heard that, there's been some contact with him, and I don't know if it's the league or it's teams, but I, I've just been heard that I just heard that there's been some conversation about you know how is he doing? does he feel he's ready to resume working? And I think the answer on that one is yes. I don't know specifically what roles or teams we're talking about here, but I've been told that his name is. Uh, back on the radar, and we shouldn't be surprised if uh, Doug Wilson is uh, back in the NHL in, in some capacity. I've heard that that, is, uh, that that is that is something that is, has kind of come across the horizon uh, in the past couple of weeks.
1: Well, first of all, great news for the person. Uh, I'm very happy that, that Doug Wilson's um, health uh, is improving, uh, has improved, however we want to describe it. So that's great. Second, you know, I look at someone who's been, you know, it's just so intimately involved in the NHL uh, for the past however many years. There's a lot of even on a on a consulting basis. Why would you not want to have someone like Doug Wilson in your organization just because of all the knowledge um, about you know how things work, players, teams, all of it? To me, this is this is kind of a situation. Again, I don't know the nature of the position that he's that he's hoping to occupy. But even on a, on a consulting basis, like, he, he goes, like, to the top of the list of, of people that are, that are valued around the NHL. Like, if you're a, I'm trying to think, like, if you're an organization that has maybe someone that has a young general manager and could use someone to bounce ideas off of, consult with, you know, borrow the experience from, how would you not look at Doug Wilson? I'm, you, know what I'm, you know what I'm doing? I'm talk, trying to talk myself into Chicago here, where Doug played.
2: So oh, first of all, I, I could see why you would make that connection. Uh, you know, secondly, I think that's probably it. Like, you know, the one thing here I, I want to be careful about is I, I don't know what roles have been talked about. I don't know what the workload would kind of be. Mm-hmm. But in what you're discussing there, it, it certainly makes a lot of sense. Like, you, you know, he has, you know, he's like you talk about, he's in, he's in the Hall of Fame as a player. Mm-hmm. He's been an executive for a long time. Uh, He's done primary, both business and and hockey responsibilities. Um, You know, the other thing, you know, you kind of, I've always thought about was when he was a player, he was very, very big into the Players Association. Yes. So he sees things uh, in a couple of different ways, right? So, like, you're right. Like, I mean, the the bottom line is the guy's been in hockey for almost 50 years. Like, he's seen everything. And um, uh, I feel the same way as you do. I was glad to hear that. His his health, at least, is getting back to the point where he feels that it's a possibility. And I would agree with you. I think if you're looking for mm. to tap a fountain of knowledge, then uh, that is something that uh, uh, I think some teams will definitely have interest in. Okay, um, you watched Tampa skate today, Preach? I did. They didn't really. See it. it was an optional for right. them. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like a full practice or anything like
1: that. But being being around people from the uh, from the Tampa Bay Lightning team, and tonight's game one, Toronto Maple police facing off against the Tampa Bay Lightning, I, I feel like I was saying this before you came on. I feel like we've had this conversation now for months. When it yeah. came, when it became apparent that the the uh, the Boston Bruins were running away with a division, and the Florida Panthers were going the other way, and though at times Buffalo challenged and Detroit challenged, it seemed very much like this is where this thing was heading. And we've been talking about it for months. So I don't know how much more we can add to the conversation other than what do you expect in this one? Not the series, but game one, like last night, you know, the, the early game Incredible. wasn't the most exciting. Uh, yeah. The Bruins and the Florida Panthers were a little bit more exciting by the time we got the Dallas and Minnesota. Holy smokes. What, as you mentioned, yeah. this was going to be the roughest series and that lived true. And then the Edmonton-Los Angeles game, which had that you know, wonderful comeback by the Los Angeles Kings, like by the end of it, it's a great night of hockey. What do you expect yes. tonight between Tampa and Toronto?
2: Well, you know, I think that these two teams are going to come out high. Like, I don't think this is going to be like, uh, like uh, the old heavyweight boxing 15-round fight where the two sides come out and
0: yeah.
2: they seal they each other out throw a few jabs for a couple of rounds and see where we go. This is going to be, and I don't care that this is an old reference because it's the best first round of boxing I ever saw. This is going to be Hagler Hearns. Oh,
1: Vegas, like, Hagler Hearns Vegas. Yeah, yes, yeah.
2: like they're they're going to be coming right out and they're and they're going to be uh, throwing uh, haymakers at each other, and um, like you know, I I think the thing is funny. Like we're kind of talking about it last night, actually, Josh Clipperton of. Uh, CP was asking some questions about it like that, that play last night in the Minnesota Dallas game. Um, and you know, one coach was saying to me this morning that sometimes you forget that, you know, the, what players will do changes from game 82 to game one, even though there were some really nasty games at the end of the last couple of weeks,
0: mm-hmm.
2: like, you know, in game 50, Joe Pavel is not expecting to get hit like that. And that's I think and I, I think that that's kind of what happened. I, I, you know, I think, he, he, just, I think he, he just let down his guard. I know there's a lot of arguments about late, not late. Apparently it was within the point .6. That's fine. Um, but, like, that's the thing. Like, Jeff, like, in these playoff games now, you've got to be ready because, you know, some of these teams are going to come up and they're going to be shot out of a cannon. Yep. And that's what this game is going to be like tonight. Like the thing that's amazing is like everybody was calm today. The Leafs were calm. The, the Lightning were calm. It's almost like you're gathering the energy before the maelstrom. That's mm-hmm. what I thought that this was this morning.
1: So let me let me cycle back to that. Let me let me circle back to that uh, the Dumba hit on on Pavelski yesterday. And I'm with you. I don't think that Joe Pavelski thought he was going to get hits. And I also don't think that Joe Pavelski, whether it was game 50 or in last night's case, game 83, mm-hmm. when do you see forwards get hit there? Like he's under the red line by a few feet. Yeah, that's true. Like you, you don't get hit there. as a, Like there are some places on the ice where you say, okay, brace for contact. If I get hit, I'm ready. And if I don't, it's a bonus. Yeah. When when do you see forwards get hit there, Fridge? They just don't. Like, I don't think that he thought he was going to get hit and specifically didn't think he was going to get hit there. And I know there's a, there's another player shading him as well. But to me, that was all about Dumba goes – like, I was thinking about it. If Pavelski gets that puck out in front as Dumba is, is wheeling backwards to hit him mm-hmm. and the puck goes in, like, it leads to a scoring chance, we're all criticizing Dumba for taking himself out of the play – To try to make that hit, like you don't get hit in that situation. It could lead to a scoring chance if the puck squirts free. But I just look at that one and say, you don't get hit there in that spot as a forward.
2: Yes, I think that's an excellent point, Jeff. I I think it's it's a great, it's it's a hundred percent true. And I I think that's kind of the reminder of what everybody was kind of talking about tonight is that you have to be ready for anything, anything, time maps. Yep, anything like. Like, all the things that you normally think are going to happen, they or you don't normally think will happen, yeah. they can happen now. Like, and you know what? Like, I guarantee you, too, like, a lot of these guys on Tampa, they've probably been reading and hearing about how the Maple Leafs took it to them last week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah the Leafs physically dominated them. So, like... I'm watching Pat Maroon talk to the media today. I'm wondering what he's thinking, and I'm also thinking, boy, I don't know if I've ever seen an NHLer with a better in-season jam than Pat Maroon. <laughs>
1: um, l- let me ask you about Los Angeles and Edmonton last night. Yeah. So, watching that first period, Dreisaitl scores. Nice Bouchard with a just a gorgeous shot, and it's two nothing. And we're saying to ourselves, okay, here we go. Here, this is the Oilers. Foot on the gas. Connor's going to get going. By the end of the night, you know, the story was all about a couple of players that you and I talked about down the stretch. One, Anse Kopitar, who's going to get some sulky trophy love. One goal and and a couple of assists. Three assists, I believe. And also um, Adrian Kempe, who had a 40-goal season. Haven't seen that going back to the early 90s with Luke Robitaille. He ends up with a pair. And then Alex Ayafalo And I want to get the the, the quote here for you because I just love it because it's shades of of Brett Hull. And Brett Hull used to always talk about how the best way to be in the play sometimes is to be out of the play. Alex Iafalo last night says, I was just trying to get lost. Like, Mm -hmm. is that not completely Todd McClellan? Like when we sat down with McClellan a few months ago for the podcast, we talked about. Remember, we talked about skating picks and moving yep. picks and Detroit Red Wings and all that, and getting lost in the offensive zone and then suddenly reappearing like that. To me, was such a Todd. I have followed the scores, but that to me was such a Todd McClellan type situation. That and the whole game was kind of like that. Once, once LA you know cued the comeback with with ten minutes left in the third, the whole thing just seemed very Todd McClellan. If you know what I am getting at.
2: Well, I think the one thing is they made a they made a big adjustment in the, in the first intermission. Like they had two penalties called together like McDavid. Drew two calls yep. on him, and you know they 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 knew right away that you you had to be very careful. Like when Gabrikov makes a great play on McDavid late in the game, like there's nothing illegal about that. It's perfectly clean. Like they, and, and I'm sure that's one thing LA is saying is like, geez, McDavid had no points. He's gonna kill us next game. Um, so. Like that's that's one thing you kind of have to adjust to, but you know that, that that's the one thing. Like it's it's two real, it, again, it's all good points you bring up, and it's two real contrasting styles. You've got the Oilers, who are the the most dangerous rush team, run and gun team in the yeah. league when they want to be, and you have the Kings who like to play like a a little bit more um, like a Mike Allsight grind you down kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, like that's the thing I think. Like, I, I do think the Oilers are probably looking at that, like, we, we took our foot off the gas. Like, they were in control after two periods. You didn't think that game was going to overtime. You didn't think that they were going to lose it. And I just thought in the third period, like, I know everybody screams about the penalties, but, you know, like, the the, the Bouchard one, like, that was a penalty. And, um, you know, I, I, I just think that the, the biggest reason for me that I think the Oilers lost that game is I thought they took their foot off the gas. And that'll be a reminder. Like you can't t- turn your foot off the gas because that plays the game that LA likes to play.
1: Absolutely. Uh, also tonight, the Winnipeg Jets face off against the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Laurent Boissois facing off against Connor Halabuck. We've talked a lot about the Winnipeg Jets and you know what's at stake here and you know what's next uh, for the Winnipeg Jets after this edition of the playoffs concludes for them. What are you looking most for in this? Series the uh, the Winnipeg Jets, who at times we were talking about as a Stanley Cup contender, and then we wondered if they'd even make it into the postseason. Had to claw, had to scratch to get there, facing off against you know Jack Eichel, his debut in the playoffs, and the returning Mark Stone.
2: Well, I I think for me, there's two things: there's the narrative, and there's the strategic. And the narrative is Eichel. I think to me, like that's like this is what he's waited for. Um, This is what is when he. Uh, wanted to be traded from Buffalo. It was about going to the playoffs and getting his opportunity. And uh, Eichel, uh, he's there now. Like this is this is his time to to show that he can live up to what he wanted. So mm-hmm. that's the narrative I look at. For me, the strategic is like Vegas defends the middle of the ice in their zone really well. Yeah, they do that uh, as well as anybody does. And I think if the Jets are going to have a chance to win this series is can they get to an area of the ice where you need to score from and the Golden Knights protect very well, and that's the middle of the ice.
1: Uh, And you know what? Speaking of uh, protecting and defending, listen, the Norris was a really tough one to vote on. I poured and poured. I know you did as well. This was a really tough one, and you know, through all of it, you realize just how good a season Alex Petrangelo had as well.
2: Yeah, he sure did. The the, Trey was a
1: great season, man.
2: Norris was the hardest one. But it was the absolute hardest one. And I know when our, our ballots are revealed, people are going to look at us and say, you're a complete bleeping imbecile.
1: You know what? It's comforting because it happens every year. So I like when things don't change. So I like getting Mm -hmm. insulted when my ballot gets revealed. It's comforting, Ellie. The older I get, the more I see I seek that sort of insulting comfort uh, that comes along with the the ballot reveal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Okay, big one tonight. Uh, Four big games. The Rangers, the Devils, the Lightning, the Maple Leafs, Jets, and Golden Knights, Kraken and Avalanche. Uh, we know when it starts. We just don't know when it will conclude. And that makes oh it the most God. wonderful time of the year. I know. Sleep is for the week. Sleep is for the week. Uh, we'll talk tomorrow, Fridge. All
0: right, buddy. Take care,
1: Jim. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.